Welcome to Talent Sandbox, the podcast that explores how talent acquisition professionals can optimize and future-proof talent acquisition. My name is Neil. I'm the co-host of Talent Sandbox podcast. Join us as we explore the latest trends, strategies, and best practices for attracting and retaining talent in your organization. Our talent acquisition practitioners will share their real-world insights on everything from smart sourcing, candidate experience, diversity and inclusion, through to the building of a global talent acquisition function. We will leave you with actionable takeaways that you can apply in your business. Whether you're a recruiter, hiring manager, or HR professional, We're here to build a better talent acquisition process for everyone. I'm delighted to be joined by Callum Buxton. Callum is the lead TA partner for executive and critical hiring at Sophia Genetics. Sophia Genetics sits at the crossover of healthcare and technology, an AI platform that provides data-driven insights to the healthcare industry for the use in diagnostics and treatment around the world. Callum is based in the UK. Throughout Callum's career, he has held a number of advisory roles, including some great work promoting local and youth engagement. So welcome, Callum. Great to have you on the show. Uh, so please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. And thanks for having me. I am Callum. I'm the lead partner for the global talent acquisition team at Sophia Genetics. I've spent the last 10 years working in talent acquisition. Like many in our world, I didn't necessarily start out aiming for a career in, in recruitment, but it's where I am now. I spent a large amount of my early career in external agency and consultancy. I initially focused very heavily on HR and talent acquisition teams. So throughout my career, I've been very, very closely linked to talent acquisition. After a period of time, made the transition to focus not just on talent acquisition and HR teams, but more specifically towards the life science vertical. Mm-hmm. Throughout my external career i had the opportunity to partner with everyone from major global brands to small family-owned organizations with right. with 30 employees and then i made the transition to an in-house role about 18 months ago and, and joined Sophia. fantastic good good so i mean it, do, after doing the research it sounds like sophia genetics is is really on a, a journey at the moment so um uh, by the sounds of it, doing some life-changing work supporting the, the science community. So tell me a little bit about that, about how important do you believe the story behind a brand is generally, whether it's Sophia Genetics or otherwise? Ultimately, it depends on the organization to how important the story is. Mm. To me personally, in Sophia Genetics, it's, it's very important. It's one of the reasons why I joined the organization. Mm-hmm. Being somewhere that directly has an impact on the outcome for cancer and rare disease in patients worldwide just gives it a little bit more purpose to, to what I'm doing. For us, it's it's really important, as I said, and, and there's two main reasons for that. The first being our purpose and mission. We are trying to have a positive impact on the world. Mm. We are only able to do that when the colleagues that are part of our team mm. are on board with that mission. The, right also have that same positive direction that those that understand no matter what they're doing in the business it has an impact on that so we need to incorporate that in our hiring process we need to be able to articulate our purpose our mission to attract the right people who are embedded into that and that's where the storytelling comes in that's where being able to articulate the why behind what you do rather than purely the what mm. is is so important. I see it from a perspective of directly speaking to you know, potential new colleagues or candidates. 
when you see that light bulb moment, when they go from right. not really understanding what you do mm-hmm. to suddenly kind of grasp it, because it's quite a complex product that we have in market. Absolutely. Yeah. And that moment when they realize that I could actually have a real impact on someone in the world by doing mm. my role here, that that's so fantastic for me. And that's where we put a lot of attention and effort into our EVP campaign is really to focus on our virtues, our values, our mission, mm-hmm. so that we're attracting the right people to the organization and we're bringing them into that conversation in the right way. Right. Very good. Yeah. So, so is there, I mean, you know, the number of listeners out there who are in TA leadership roles and management roles, is there anything specific that you, know, you would say that you've implemented that has been useful to you from a, a branding perspective, um, you know, and when, when it comes to leveraging and attracting talent? So one of the most important things was listening to our colleagues. Okay. We, we can go forward as a blanket brand and say, here's our story, here's our mission, this is why we're great. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily resonate with people. What resonates with people is those individual stories. So when we did a, a review of our EVP and, and we're looking at how we articulate that story, we turned to our colleagues. Right. We asked them, how do you align to our vision and values? Mm-hmm. What is it about our mission that is important to you? From those, we're really then able to create a story that demonstrates those behaviors or demonstrates those interests because we're bringing people alignment. Sorry, Mm. we're creating alignment with those people and saying, this is why people really are here. And Mm. again, it's that shift from the what we're doing to the Mm -hmm. why. No, it's interesting. It's a, you know, and, and it's a journey that a lot of businesses are, are trying to go through at the moment, trying to understand the, um, what does the EVP really mean to them. Uh, so I think that that will resonate to a, a number of people of, of of the storytelling, you know, and and making sure that you don't miss that because it's probably one of the secret sauce, um, you know, as as I know going through my career. So. Jumping around a little bit, but going back to your career, Callum, I mean, so although you've had a wealth of recruiting experiences, and thanks for you know sharing some of that at the beginning, you are relatively new to, to the world of talent acquisition. Um, uh, you know, so a n- number of listeners do want to transition into talent acquisition. I mean, that, that's you know going from whether that's the RPO route or the agency route, um, they really want to transition. So what what can you share that's you know from your own experiences of making the transition of what's really made the difference uh, and some of the skills that you've taken from your career so far and really leveraged them into into Sophia Genetics? Sure. So uh, I had quite a unique perspective making that transition between mm-hmm. external partner and in-house in that throughout my entire career, my stakeholders were talent acquisition and people management teams. Right. So. I had an empathetic knowledge of what goes what goes on, right. what goes right, and what goes wrong in talent acquisition. What's annoying people, and I came into the role fairly eyes wide open, mm. understanding that. Um, it also gave me an opportunity to already understand a lot of best in class practice of who does what, how, and and where. But uh, there was definitely a, a learning curve making that transition from an external to an internal role, and. The fundamentals of the role are the same. I Mm. have a stakeholder who's now an internal customer rather than an external customer. 
they have a need and they have to go and hire it. And that, that fundamental hiring journey is the same. Mm. Understanding a need, Agreed. learning to articulate that, finding the candidate and matching everything up. That part of the process is is the same. If I look at it from the manager and stakeholder perspective, biggest shift for me was the understanding of what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. When you're an external partner, you are very in most cases, specifically focus on that hiring manager and their need within the organization and that particular role. And you're very focused on how do I deliver the person that best executes that need. Mm -hmm. When you make that shift to an internal role, your priority still continues to be that individual, but now you're taking the organization's mission into, into, um, into account. You're starting to align to their commercial strategy. Right. So now when we're making a hire, it's not just what does my manager want and what does this person need to do? It is what's the business trajectory? What is the business trying to achieve as an objective now, 6, 12, 18 months? Right. Like how does this individual person feed into that? Mm-hmm. And it's being able to make that link between the commercial organizational strategy and right. an individual hiring manager's need mm-hmm. that helps you really deliver successful hires. Um, in in most cases, I think if people are making a transition as well, they've probably had some element of specialism in the career. I know for me, I, I very heavily focused on one vertical. Yeah, right. And I had that old inch wide, mile deep approach. Right. And I had to completely flip that on its head to learn a broad range of verticals i'd had very little exposure to Mm. so you have to be really really curious you have to ask people so many questions about what they do what they're trying to achieve what it is their skill set needs so you can articulate that and i'll I'll be really honest here it's the decision making process that was probably one of the things that i don't say shocked me the most but was the biggest learning curve right you're an external partner by the time someone comes to you a need is very, very clearly defined. Yes, exactly. You're being yeah. you're being paid a lot of money, yeah. right? So they're going to make sure that they know what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. When you're made, when once you've made that transition to an internal role, you are involved in those deliberative conversations much earlier in the process. It's the shaping and the sculpting of the role. It is the understanding who, what, where, and how, and and the management of all those stakeholders to create alignment, so that you have a defined role right. that you're looking to hire um you're often having to be quite resilient and and pivot and change mm. as the business mm. you know understands its trajectory rather than that very clearly defined i want these three things go away and find them for me yeah, yeah. and as as your view of the commercial impact changed um since you moved and transitioned so externally you were really focused on the the value and obviously there was a commerciality linked to that value you created whereas you came in house and um has the lens changed at all um uh, around you know the the your personal drivers or has that you know stayed the same my personal drivers in terms of the mission or what i'm actually trying to find for the val- the value you're creating back to the business is is, is that is that lens changed at all through that through that journey that transition Ultimately, that links to the value you want to add. Mm. There will be talent acquisition and recruitment teams out there whose value is purely to provide people. 
because that's what an organization needs, mm. whether they're hiring on volume or they're hiring on, you know, a certain skill set. And right. the value you provide is people. Mm. For me, the value talent acquisition can add, and this is where you go from being a tactile resource to a strategic mm-hmm. value partner, is mm-hmm. when you start impacting that commercial agenda. Right. Is when you understand not what is a need, but what is a commercial objective and how does this hire or this group of hires or this mm-hmm. team have an impact upon that, that when you make that slight shift in perspective, that's where you can really start to make the value. That for me is now where, where I prioritize it is understanding one, what is the impact this role has on, on a strategy mm-hmm. and two, how's that link in? That understanding of a commercial strategy as well is really important for your prioritization. Most likely when you're in an external role, you aren't handling a high volume of recs at once. Right. Or if you are, there's an element of similarity. Mm. When you make that transition to an internal role, you can have anything from five to 20 recs at once. And for each individual manager, that rec is the most important thing that they have. Absolutely. Yep. You then have to understand and learn how to prioritize between mm-hmm. each of those. Where do you spend your time? Where do you commit? Mm. How do you make things happen? And you can't prioritize accordingly if you don't know the business's priorities. Mm. Knowing the commercial priorities of where the business is going and how they're trying to get there helps you identify what's the most important hire that day might be or that week or at that moment in time so you and your team can prioritize accordingly. Mm. Good. Nice perspective. Thank you. So so what are the, the main skills that you would highlight that you really need uh, in an in-house talent acquisition role to be highly successful in this in this industry we operate now i think the the fundamentals are very similar to what you need in an external environment mm-hmm. but it's just a slight shift again on that perspective right curiosity has to be you know, right up there at the top you need to be willing to ask questions speak to people engage and understand mm. if you don't speak to people and ask questions you're never going to understand what they're trying to achieve, whether that's mm-hmm. as a business or a team. And if you don't understand that, it's then really hard to articulate that, whether mm-hmm. that's as your external EVP and story, whether that's as an individual hiring need, but you need to be able to understand and articulate that to successfully deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a really high level of resilience. Right. Priorities change very quickly in a commercial organization. And you need to be able to pivot and and adapt with that. You need to have quite a thick skin to Mm -hmm. understand sometimes I need to change and I can't have quite a steadfast view. And I suppose that's where you need to have an element of agility alongside that resilience. You need Mm -hmm. to be able to move and and pivot very quickly, change that direction as the business needs. Right. No, good, good. And you know the the other side to this is um, you know maybe the the one or two things again that as you transition into into talent acquisition, um, you know what was I think you might have referenced it before, but what was the one or two skills that you took from your consulting background into the, into this new role? A skill that I found has worked really well for me has been has been the relentless drive. Mm. When you are in an external world, you don't get paid until that person has started. Mm -hmm. And I came into an internal world with that exact same perspective. My need is not done until someone starts in the business. 
rather than my need is done when someone signs. Because right. there's still that 30, 60, 90 day window between that mm. happening and someone coming on board. It might not be my responsibility to onboard that person, but I want to make sure that person is is happy and engaged. The manager is mm. is aligned throughout that. And it's probably that's very similar creative, adaptive, and proactive approach to solutions that we mm -hmm. have to have in an external world. You still need to have in an internal environment. You can't just take a briefed mandate and say, you want one, two, three, so I'm going to go find one, two, three. And if right. I can't find that stuff, you need to be able to come back with creative solutions. Mm. You need to be adaptive. You need to be innovative when you can't find what you need, because let's be honest, it's the world of talent evolves so quickly. Trying to match people to a need is is really difficult. Right. So you're not always going to find that like for like. And you need to be able to come up with solutions to meet that need mm -hmm. rather than barriers or obstacles. Yeah. No, that's a nice, nice, nice way to put it. And you know, the, the market, as you alluded to, the market's changing so fast. Um and just a, uh, an, another, you know, kind of angle to this. I mean, technology is, you know, clearly coming on leaps and bounds within our industry. Every time I turn on LinkedIn, that there's a new, you know, new piece of technology or new AI or new G GPT string of conversations happening. So I'm just interested. Any any view of of, of how you see technology uh, influencing our world of talent acquisition moving forward? I have a I have a really keen eye on technology, but also mm -hmm. quite a, a passive and, and skeptical eye yeah. on technology. Right. Um, I have seen over the last ten years so many pieces of technology be a fad, mm -hmm. where there is this light bulb moment where this is the groundbreaking piece of tech that we need to bring about, mm -hmm. and a year or two later, it's it's off the radar because the next yeah. thing is is there. Now, some of those things have had great impact, but when you're an early adopter, you have to be really cautious about the longevity of that piece of tech. You need to really understand the long-term implications. Mm -hmm. It can be very easy to get swept up in the momentum of you know, the positive value that a piece of tech can have. And that's happened right. to me in the past. I've been yeah, yeah. completely wowed by you know the possibility of a piece of tech. And then yeah. 12, 18 months later, you're going, what actually was the ROI on that? Or did my team get the opportunity to use that to its fullest extent? So I I'm I don't think I'm an early adopter on a lot of tech cases. You're not going to be an early adopter of AI or chat GPT into any kind of TA process, especially when we start looking at generative AI. I'm I'm going to be a slow adopter of that for the same reason I was a slow adopter for any kind of chatbot in a yep. recruitment process. Mm -hmm. Each has its place, but for me, it isn't going to replace a person. Mm. So if you are in a volume environment or you are in an area where you have high volumes of operational activity that you want to automate, then those technology pieces are great. Mm -hmm. When you are in an environment where you need to be very focused on the human element, those interactions that you can't necessarily replicate with a piece of tech, you can augment that with tech mm, to remove absolutely. those operational elements, yeah. allow you to be yeah. more focused on that people agenda. But to me, TA will always be so heavily rooted in the the people that you can't you can't take that away. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and, and you know, I I've I've also come from a regulated background myself, so I understand the importance of, you know, treading carefully as you step through processes, ways of working. So I think you're you're doing absolutely the right thing there. So um 
you know, as we as we look forward and and as we chatted uh, earlier, um, you know, we as a business we're continuing to look at that future skills, right? So, so what are the future skills of our industry? Um, you know, you're you're a forward thinking TA leader, and you know we're keen to hear your view of what the three or four skills or two or three skills that you think that talent acquisition will need for the future. Understanding people is is always going to be one of the most critical elements. Mm. You need to be able to understand your stakeholders and mm-hmm. their priorities. You need to be able to understand the people you're trying to hire. So really delving down into what those motivators are, those alignments are, and, and building that connection, that, that's going to be important whatever happens. Right. Whether you are a people-first TA function, whether you are a process-first TA function, or whether you're a highly tech-augmented TA yeah, yeah. function, yeah. That, that always needs to be the priority. As I said, I am a slow adopter, but I know moving forward, we do need to be more eyes open Mm. to how certain elements of tech can support our TA process. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean replace, but looking at how we can do things better or smarter and understanding that cost. You know, a, a twenty, thirty thousand dollar piece of equipment or software mm-hmm. might seem like an expensive investment on day one, but if that can reduce or so increase your team's capacity by twenty five percent because they're now not doing an operational process, that becomes a positive investment. Okay. So it needs to be that balance between the people element and the tech. Mm. And as we get greater pressures, and this is probably very focused on the commercial world and mm-hmm. those in a similar situation to, to us that's going through growth, going on that journey to profitability, mm-hmm. is really heavily focused on that commercial agenda. Mm-hmm. Is understanding, and I've mentioned this three times already because it's, it's so important to me, what is the business or an organization trying to achieve and how mm-hmm. does TA have an impact on that? Mm-hmm. I've seen throughout my career a lot of TA leaders and a lot of HR leaders complain about not being taken strategically enough in in a large number of those circumstances those individuals or those those teams also aren't connecting the impact of what they're doing to what the business is trying to achieve you need to be able to link where your team is going to what the business is trying to achieve together because if you don't find that sweet spot where everything works you're going to have a team trying to achieve something, the business trying to achieve something else, and you're pulling in separate directions. You need to be completely aligned and unified. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 I think the if I that really resonates with me this this idea that the business always comes first. Okay, and you know um, you have to lead out with the priorities of that business, and then everything else behind it. Then you know then is a, a cascade. You know, in terms of how TA operates the function. Um, resource, et cetera. So that links into your communication as well. When you're speaking to people, just because the business comes first doesn't mean people can't come first too. You know, they can can come in alignment, whether that's your team, whether that's the external market. As long as you're communicating effectively and accordingly to those priorities, people understand. Communication is is so critical throughout each part of that as well to building a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah, no, good. Well, listen, I mean, that's really come to uh, the end of the podcast now, uh, Callum. Uh, listen, thank you for, for being on the podcast. It's been great, great discussion. Um, and, you know, listen, we hope to have you back on the show at some point as you evolve this fantastic business, which is Sophia Genetics. Um, 
and and hear how you progressed as well. Thanks so much. Really appreciate the time and, and hopefully some of the insights are, are useful to the rest of the industry as they grow to their own growth. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, Callum. So that's a wrap for today's episode of Talent Sunbox Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest of our podcast, then please email us at hello at talentsandbox.com.